Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 135. I am your host, Santa Claus. What's up, everybody? Joining me, we've got Talas and Sayer, and they both have cameras this week. What's going on? So, so many things. <laughs> so many things. What have you guys been up My to the last two weeks? My friends tricked me into giving me recommendations on a sous vide circulator that they then bought for me. So that's awesome. Oh, must be good rough when your to friends be you. Trick you for a good reason. <laughs> yes, definitely a, a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Talas has been flipping cars oh. left and right. <laughs> I went viral on TikTok. That's a sentence that a 36 year old man should never say. But here we are. Um, yeah. And so now I have logo designers and graphic designers and a legal team and an IT manager and I bought another car and I have someone to give it to and suddenly it's spiraling. I was thinking I was going to give away five or six cars a year. Just, you know, fix them in my backyard, help people out, be cool to the community. It'll be great. 800 car requests later. Life is weird. Yeah. I have job applications for jobs that don't exist. <laughs> Sounds People like, a... are like, hey, can I live in your shop with my dog? And I'm like, no, because it's my house. No. Also, I feel like there's a massive habitability concern there. Well, it's insulated and there's a bathroom and there's a really big sink, so only kinda. And there's a fridge and there's a stove. Shit, and there's a stove. Wow. All right. Well, you maybe shouldn't blend. be advertising these facts. Yeah. They're going to have squatters who want to help with your business. It'll be weird. Can they do oil changes? Because, man, they can show up friggin' tomorrow as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been a weird, crazy week. Klaus, what have you been up to? I work too much. That's all I know. Mm. I, I've been playing some of the game, though. I, but this is kind of a weird sentence I didn't think I would be saying. I haven't finished MSQ yet. Oh, I mean, that's actually okay. This one was more table setting than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's, it was good, I mean, though. necessary table setting, and I'm very curious how some of it's going to go. But I mean, I, I unlocked the dungeon, so we're there. Oh, have you, have you not done the dungeon yet? No, I've done the dungeon. The dungeon's amazing. Okay, good. I was like, dude. I mean, we're going to be... <laughs> like, we're doing that at the end of the show. It's really good. I mean, we, we've talked... Well, I mean, we'll maybe try and do a little bit of talking about our impressions thus far. Spoiler-free, of course. Um, But, uh, no, I haven't finished MSQ yet. I've been just kind of... Taking my time. I've got more important things in my life right now that I need that need to take precedence over video games. And I've just been taking a break from it. So fair enough. Also, hi Nick Nair. Welcome to uh welcome to the audience chamber. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, than- it's been a weird, weird new patch because like we went so long without one that now we get patches and we're like, we're not jumping on it must be done and then by wednesday afternoon we're done with it it's like no it's cool we've had a year and now people are kind of taking their time on patches and stuff yeah, it's just, really cool to see us enjoying to, it the content might need to last us a little while we don't know yeah well i mean if 
and you don't want to rush through too much stuff. I mean, if we force the devs to rush content to us, are we going to get a whole Cyberpunk 2077 thing again? Oh, God. You know, it's a good sign when they're refunding people and pulling the game from the PlayStation Store. Yeah. I have conflicted feelings on that. Like, maybe if CDPR hadn't done so much transphobic shit. Yeah. Well, there's also, let's think about the last time this happened. No Man's Sky. But No Man's Sky did turn it around. Eventually, but boy, they're not making a No Man's Sky 2 without a lot of people raising eyebrows. Yeah, but unfortunately we're not a Cyberpunk 2077 show. We're not a general gaming show. I mean, we'll talk about a little bit of stuff, but... uh... We would just want our uh, dev team to keep doing what they do and do it as best as they can. So take your time. Take your time. Stay healthy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, they're up to the point where they, they feel they're almost 100% capacity again, and they're working from home. Yeah, it's actually- an insane concept in my head. No, they, they're just doing it right. They're, yeah. they're doing it amazing. Uh, I mean- you remember uh, Tristan from way back when he just got a job working mm-hmm. as an associate producer for a game company, and they said that they're even once the pandemic's over, they're not planning to return to the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which means I, that why. Has, well, I mean, like it's a lot cheaper in terms of like overhead for office costs and things like that. Yep. Certain types of coordination might actually be easier. Uh, He's actually said that he is now thinking about, since he lives in Saskatchewan, if maybe he wants to live in a country that's a little bit warmer. Uh, Barbados actually now has yep. a thing that's like a one-year uh, work tourist visa for people who are like working remotely. It's like, hey, you can live here because their tourism industry has been decimated. Well, you gotta do what you gotta so, do. Yeah, that is the world is very different. I also come from. I live in well, live in, but work in Seattle, where we now have acres and acres and acres and acres of Amazon buildings that are now completely worthless. It's going to be really weird when everybody goes back to work. We'll see what happens. I am wondering if rental prices around here might be slightly less insane. One can hope. Cross your fingers, man. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into some gaming community news because there's actually a bit of it to talk about. Yes, there is. Final Fantasy VII news. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake wins Best RPG and Best Score in Music at the Game Awards. So that's pretty awesome. I'll agree with that. Nicely done. Um, so nostalgic. They, you know, it, it was a, a well done game, and you can see it playing behind me because I got to have something going with this. Since Final Fantasy VII music today, we're going to keep the Final Fantasy VII uh, imagery going in the back. Just really good game, anyway. Um, also announced, um, Sephiroth is going to be joining Super Smash Ultimate on December twenty third. You technically can unlock him a little early, like there's some type of special challenge thing they're doing with yada yada yada, so you can unlock him a day or two early. But only if you have the uh, um, the character pack too, I believe, right? I forget the exact details. I actually haven't played Smash in years, so I haven't Neither been following have it that much. I haven't played any Smash game that requires DLC. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, some Final Fantasy Eleven news. Uh, the December update is out. Uh, the Voracious Resurgence. They've got uh, some Ambuscade battle updates. A new uh, Keeping Warm in Winter campaign. 
Uh, new, uh, tr uh, A-Man Trove Bounty campaign is going. And the December login bonuses are going as well. Where is my copy? The there game is, like, one deviation, maybe two away from just straight up going free-to-play to make sure that there's always players on. Because, honestly, those login campaigns no, are it's on not, more than they're off. No, this isn't a free login campaign. This is the, oh. um, the one to get, keep people to log in on a regular basis. Each month as you log in, you build up points, and those are traded in for items. Correct. One of the items you uh, can get uh, Shantoto to trust, I believe. Yep. So I still so I still get the newsletter, but honestly, I only skim parts of it that I'm interested in because yep. it's eleven. I don't really play it. It's the trust with Shantoto floating with the orbs swirling around her and looking like she's about to nuke you out of existence. But here's one that kind of came out of left field. This one came from Gamerscape, and I've also seen it in a couple of other outlets as well. Apparently, um, according to a Korean uh, news outlet, the Final Fantasy XI mobile project has been cancelled. We don't have confirmation on that yet. Uh, SE did specifically respond just to say that because it's a joint project with Nexon, they cannot provide answers to questions at present. So it's unclear if it... Uh, if it actually has been canceled, if maybe they're going in a new direction, such as bringing it all in-house, if this is just a rumor. But this did just come up, so there's a question about is there something going on, even if it's not quite what we think it is. Yeah, like I said... It's oh. also been so long since they announced it, like, they're also now fighting the are you guys really doing this, or were you just saying it rumors? Yeah, they actually discussed that in the article. The only official images we've ever seen were stuff that was from Nexon's recruitment website. And that was like two years ago. Yep, and then there yeah. was the leaked stuff from earlier this year that was promptly taken down. Yeah, they've been remarkably secretive about it, and I don't quite understand why. Yeah, not sure when exactly you're trying to hide the on. game, there is no secrets. You just go all in all the time. So we'll oh, have to, we'll, we'll have to see, see if, if that if the uh, um, rumors are substantiated or if this is just something that was uh, blown out by somebody who wanted to shake things up, or so to speak. I don't know. Yeah, one wonders who their source was on it. They're not. Uh, there's also the going out of business sometimes means going out for business, and so maybe canceling it was part of the hype. Hmm. That's a whole like double psychology nonsense thing that I honestly don't think they're doing at this point. They need to just crank something out. Probably, yeah. Alright. Let's jump into some Final Fantasy XIV news. Um, let's start off our fourteen discussion by talking a little bit about Patch 5.4. Like I said, I haven't completed the MSQ yet. I haven't uh, set foot into the new uh, Emerald Weapon. Oh. But, I have done Eden. That was fun. I have done MSQ up to unlocking the new dungeon. And that dungeon is amazing. Yes. The music. Yeah. <laughs> the, music. the music. I was, I, you know, I'm going to spend an unhealthy amount of time playing in an FF1 themed dungeon. And someone described it as having a very Banjo-Kazooie vibe. That third area. <laughs> that third area. Ah, uh, Dissolved Crystals. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah, it was claimed that that comes for Dissolved Crystals. I also threw a picture into the host channel of one of my favorite little details from the dungeon. 
Like, yeah, that was. Yeah. Anyway, as far as like <sighs> the whole patch, again, like we were saying a little bit on the pre-show right when we first started, we don't know how long this content has to last. But by and large, people are hitting all the stuff that they really cared about in some variation of order. Yeah. And uh, so far, I haven't heard a lot of upstink, even from the people that are just notorious haters on some other discords I'm in. Everybody's been pretty neutral to positive about it. Yeah, there's nothing super ground shaking. I think I said in the pre-show as well, this is pretty much like a table setting patch. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we saw this with the previous mm-hmm. ones, like when they finally finished the Dragon Song War, there were some quests that started setting up and planting those crumbs. I'm mixing my metaphors there, but whatever. Uh, for the Stormblood story, <laughs> things like that. Yep. So it's kind of same here. It's like they're clearly setting up some of the details. Nothing super ground shaking, but some interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I, I will completely enjoy it, and I will finish it probably by the first of the year type of thing. But yeah. uh, uh, Sorrow of Werelit, uh I feel like I have a pretty good idea of where the story is going, though they added some neat little lore aspects. Uh, retconned a couple things about Gaius, some of the more unsavory aspects of his character, which I am honestly a little grumbly about, but I guess they wanted him to be like everyone to love him and to not have these weird aspects. The fight itself was really cool. Uh, uh, it's been pointed out that the uh, weapons... Act, like their shape and form actually has a lot to do with uh, the with a lot of the mechanical aspects of the fight. Uh, I'll explain that uh, more if we get into like spoiler casty type stuff. But it was a fun fight, really atmospheric on a lot of uh, the mechanics. I am looking forward to trying the extreme version. Spender's indicated an interest, and I'm trying to actually go along with him to extremes now. So, okay. gotcha. Yeah. Nice. I have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off, so I'll probably be running all of the rest of 5-4 that I haven't done yet on those yeah. days. And then, yeah, Eden was pretty awesome. Uh, lots of f- uh, fun callbacks and references to other Final Fantasies again. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly focusing on FF8, though. What was it? We've got a Decidio uh, remix of a Final Fantasy 3 character set to Final Fantasy 8 music in Final Fantasy 14. What the hell, guys? <laughs> that that's 14 in a nutshell right there come on i was gonna oh, say 14 God. is just a like theme park anyway it is like Pretty that's much. just perfect mm-hmm. and then you've got your mythological deep cuts in the final one. Oh god and that like little intersequence like it was a to go from the frenetic combat to those like kind of more quiet peaceful moments uh in the little midsection that's like oh it was sweet they're so in lesbians they are definitely in lesbians with each other, big time. Though I, I have to say that, you know, just something I didn't think I'd ever hear myself saying, that fight has too many boobs. <laughs> that is actually a mythological reference to a famous statue. <laughs> and I almost made, I, I almost made Talos spit out his, uh, his uh, pork skewer. <laughs> I fucking lost it. I also have a pillow that is actually butt-shaped that is sitting right over there. Here we are, the Ephesian Artemis, the great mother goddess. <sighs> I mean, they're going in for, like, the Eden and, like, all stuff like that. Oh, my gosh, and we end with, like, that beautiful pride crystal in the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. So that- if anybody wants to know the difference between Sarah and I, I'm going in for a ass man versus boobs guy joke, and he's going in with actual lore of history, so. 
Okay, I there just put a picture it. there. That is the actual historical statue, damn it. Why? I'm done. I can't anymore. Because it's a great mother goddess. How else are you going to show that bounty and fertility without like 20 or 30 breasts? Huge tracts of land. <laughs> it, turns out that his- it turns out that history is just as horny. See also the Pompeian graffiti. I uh, can't hear you, Talos. I was talking to somebody off camera. Don't worry about it. Okay, uh, cool. Making sure that you weren't muted inadvertently. Yeah, if you're like saying something excoriating about all of the ancient boobies, I want to know. Well, there's a sentence I never thought I'd say. <laughs> all right, hang on. <laughs> uh oh. <sighs> now you've done it. Now you've done it. Now props are happening. Oh dear. What have this, I done? This is why you need to join us live at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. <laughs> Sarah, I would like to show you the greatest thing that I have purchased in the near past. Oh, this, this is the buttress. I What? I've seen that before already. Um... Evan and Caitlin, I don't know if you're familiar with those YouTubers, they just Mm -hmm. did a video that featured that thing. What is it? It is a pillow. I have purchased the original double bubble, and the pillowcase is yoga pants. Huh. And so the idea is that you can just rest your head on a butt? Yep. Huh. So, you can keep your statue, I have a pillow. I'm good. Talos is a butt man confirmed. Talos is a butt guy. We already knew this. He likes big butts and he cannot lie. I'm even from Western Washington where that dude is from. (laughs) He once traded in a TV at a pawn shop that a friend of mine worked at. Really? He bought new flat screen TVs. He didn't need his old one because it was too thick. He traded in. They asked him why. He said because it has too much back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actual real story but that's a whole yeah. other thing at least he's got a good uh, sense they, of humor they also did have the your hawk quest which is another one that's setting up stuff for next patch but oh my gosh am i intrigued about what's going on there i haven't touched that one yet either nor have i done the final um uh roll uh, quest yes they did add a the final thing to the roll quest for those who've completed all of the uh, four roll quest lines and then the uh, uniting thing at the end, they added a bit onto that. The requirements that were involved made me have some suspicions about what they were doing, which did seem to be, which were quickly confirmed. And I'm really excited about what they might do about it in the future. They're expand. They don't leave a storyline untouched. Like there's, God, I can't really say much about it without nope. spoiling a whole lot. So, it was good you liked it? I haven't done that yet. I was waiting on that to determine if it was something I needed to do now or if it was something I could do later. You can do it later. It is pretty okay. much It is pretty much entirely a thing of storylines. Yep. As long as you okay. don't mind getting spoiled on it in three weeks. <laughs> oh, it's, I'll, I'll have it done by then. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. yes, it is a it is a story that was left unfinished that they're putting another chapter into. I'll put it that way. Cool. And there's a distinct possibility that they will expand more on that in the future. So you guys enjoyed the patch overall? 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It was it was also really weird because we spent again, I keep saying we spent so long without a patch, then we finally got one. We were like, what the hell we're supposed to do with this? And now a month and a half later we get something else and it's like oh yeah, this game continues to evolve and grow. Mm-hmm. It's been so long that we just kind of forgot about that aspect of it. So I liked this one. I feel like we're actually finally getting caught up into the here's how this game is supposed to work. Here's how the updates are supposed to work. Here's the story. Here's the stuff you've been waiting for. Everybody has max gear on every job that they care about at this point. It's time to start doing some new stuff. Yep. And we finally have that new stuff. Uh, I wonder yeah. it's how much of this oh, is going to... Oh, and I played a couple. Go ahead. I was just going to say... I also... <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, please speak. Yes. Yes. I also played a couple open tournaments of Triple Triad, and that was fun. I took seventh place in one and then first place in another. Cool. Congratulations, Klaus, your turn. <laughs> I was just going to say, I wonder how much of what we have exp- are getting in this patch is going to be lead us to what we're going to speculate on for the upcoming expansion. Mm, yeah. Because this I'm... is generally when we start to get some clues. I'm also kind of blown away that the fact that we're coming up on two years of Shadowbringers. We're in a year year and a half right now. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, it feels like about 12. Stormblood, I was like, oh my god, we are still here. We are still fighting. Good lord. What is happening? A year and a half in, I'm like, oh yeah, and we're back. And we're good now. What? No! There's shit going on still. You also have to remember that 2020 yeah. has been about 34 years. It has been. And, it is. And it has been seriously, about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for any uh, long-term listeners of the podcast, y'all will remember at the start of this year when I was really excited about moving to Japan for my dream job and that just after selling like my dream car three weeks ago. And that was yeah, that was three weeks ago. But also, like two decades. And it's been yeah, that was also four years, decades. It's been a now. weird year. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Jeremy Barry. All right. Um, the other thing we got going on in game right now is Starlight Celebration. I did do that. And it's a Starlight miracle. It was actually a cute story. I appreciated yeah. it. It it actually had some content to do. It took me a couple hours. Is it the orphanage again? Nope. Which one is it this time? Uh, this time, it, it, well, it's in Gridania, and there is a, a <clears throat> son of a... Um, the, the, the words are escaping me. A son of a merchant from Ulda was sent with the... Uh, um, what, what do they call him? The Saint of Nymea. Um, Godbert. <laughs> uh, to uh, help out with uh, a number of things in Gridania for the Starlight Celebration. Okay, but like the we're start it starts in Gridania, it's not all, in Ulda. It's all in Gridania. I mean, that's new. No, yeah, I, I mean it's been in Gridania, Gridania before. It's Has Gridania it? if they're if they've been doing stuff with like the Starlight Choir and things like that. Yeah, remember? Oh, uh, okay, that's fair. That's right. Because we oh, it's right. We did uh, the music game last year, or was that year before? Uh, th- it was done two years because there were two. That's right, because we could sing the year before's song on the last one. Yep, yep. and we, we could also sing it very badly. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine found me the YouTube video of somebody who's just like 
messed every note, so it's just like just well, death of a cat. You got to remember awful noises. That, that one is on the soundtrack as well. It's so good. Oh. It's so good. Not because it's good, not because it's functional or helpful or funny, but because of the fact that you know that they dead ass had to say, "Okay, guys, here's what we're recording today," and four people had to stand there in front of a mic, in front of a pop screen with headphones on and just freaking off key yodel into the mic and call it a day. So, I mean, the thing is actually singing audibly, like noticeably badly like that is harder than just like being like not a good singer. Like it takes skill to sing that badly. It genuinely does. I was going to say, I can sing badly with very minimal skill, I promise, but I wouldn't be as good at being bad as they are. Yeah. So yeah, Taz, if you haven't done nope. it, go do it because then you also got, get a cool new mount. Oh sweet! Is it a Christmas bear? I like my Christmas. No, bear. it's not a Christmas bear. You have to get. You have to go to the mog station for the Christmas bear. I have the Christmas bear. Okay. It's great. It is. I throw presents at people every once in a while, and they're just like, "What the shit is going on?" Because <laughs> nobody, <laughs> the current player base, a lot of the newer players have no idea what this bear is. It's a snowman. So you just go out to like Mordona and just throw gifts at people. It's awesome. Hmm. You you haven't and seen the pictures of all the snowmen? Hmm? You you haven't seen all the pictures of the snowmen? No, I have not. That's the new mount. Do you uh, want to oh, okay. snowman? Oh my. <laughs> oh my. All right. And then uh, some sad Final Fantasy fourteen news. Uh, I was le- uh, we learned last week that the uh, um, Final Fantasy fourteen dad of light blogger Mady passed away. <sighs> uh, for that those of you really who don't sad to know read about who Mady yeah. is or what Dad of Light is, uh, he was a blogger uh, that uh, tried to reconnect with his father by playing Final Fantasy fourteen. He blogged about the, the experience, and this blog actually inspired a 27, 2017 Netflix series titled Final Fantasy XIV, Father of Light, and also a remake movie f- from 2019. Apparently, uh, Mady had been suffering from cancer for some time and passed away due to complications. I so. had forgotten about the movie. I remember the TV series, and... The TV series campy, was amazing. It was good. It was fun to watch. Um, I mean, it was such a uh, heartbreaking thing um, that even Yoshida wrote a very long and uh, um, heartfelt uh, post on the developer's blog. I'm linking that in the show notes as well. So make sure to go go read that because it was it was a very heartfelt and uh, it must have been tough for him to, to sit and write that because losing somebody that you care about you know, he, it's it's not easy, and uh, Yoshida feels like he lost a uh, a really close friend. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it also is a way to share that Yoshida really does genuinely care about the community for mm-hmm. this game. Absolutely. So our hearts go out to uh, Mady's family, friends, and uh, anybody who was touched by by the story. So. Anything I can think of to say just feels cheap, you know? Yeah. 
I'm I'm just lost. Yeah. But here's some fun, interesting news that maybe lift your spirits. It's not directly related to Final Fantasy, but it's Final Fantasy adjacent. Ooh, adjacency. Uh, I do like Final Fantasy adjacent. Um, so I think you'll appreciate this. This one uh, will also hit some of you comic book fans out there. Apparently, uh, Final Fantasy artist Yoshita Yoshitake Amano has been uh, um, commissioned to draw a, a cover for the upcoming DC Comics Harley Quinn series. Ooh. God, it's so him, but like, it's like, okay, this is clearly Amano, but I really, really love it. It's like kind of goofy and ridiculous. The side, the wall that my camera is not facing is covered in a mono art. <laughs> and yes, you need to go check that out, guys. It is absolutely. It is so like good. it's very clearly a mono's work, but it's like it's like given how much of his other stuff I've seen, it feels like a little bit of a different uh, take from his usual style. Harley Quinn looks kind of like uh, Kafka meets Terra. Oh yeah. my god, yes! That's what it is. Also, for uh, because none of you guys can see this, there's actually a, uh, a shared file that we use for talking to each other and whatnot. And in that shared file, all of us can click and move and highlight and stuff. Uh, every single one of us <laughs> has like our icons are just bouncing around on top of each other on this link right now as we're talking about it it's pr it is pretty funny yeah like we're all just all in on it but yeah it's absolutely phenomenal art and there's lots of little things that remind me of all the side pieces that he would do for like the final fantasy 2 and final fantasy 3 art when they didn't know what the game was going to be about yet mm -hmm. so he just drew random stuff and maybe it made it in and maybe it didn't if i share screen will it pop up in my frame or uh, so I would not. Uh, okay. people, people can click on it. Let's not find out while we're live. Yes, please. But I like the idea. Whatever. Pushing code to the production server live is totally fine. That's what a bunch of my software friends said. Or is it the opposite? And I'm going to go You've ahead and You've been watching Gundam Sarah too now. much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that little bit of... um. Amano art because it's, it's always amazing to see uh, new stuff from them. Yeah, those little unexpected. Uh, I forget if we were talking about something earlier, but like those unexpected bits when our worlds cross over, it's just really fun. Absolutely. All right. Now let's go ahead and jump into the meat of our discussion tonight. Um, more music Final Fantasy VII original soundtrack, disc three. And that starts out a little something like this. I love this song. It's a slow build, but what a build it is. For those who don't recognize it right away, this is Cosmo Canyon. Just the, the sound of that, the instruments here is just, it just brings back so many happy memories. 
It's like, this is Red's homecoming. I forgot how deep in the game this showed up. I thought it was earlier than that. Like, there's some bits where it's referenced. One of the tracks we talked about, I think, last week had some elements from this, since it's involving Red 13 and some of those mystical elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I we're... Let's see, we did get to Fort Condor, so yeah, we after Fort Condor would have been Cosmo Canyon, yeah. Yep. But yeah, like, we've gotten elements of this before, but... Does Red 13 have his own thing? I think he's not sure. Not that I can recall. I mean, I guess you could sort of call this one uh, his uh, thing. It makes me think of Red, so... Sometimes characters don't get their own specific theme song, but they have songs that are notoriously played during most of their cutscenes. Um, Home Sweet Home for Bart's comes to mind. Uh, mm. yeah. Cosmic Canyon is sort of his unofficial theme yeah. in the same way. Yeah. It's just nice to listen to. There's a um. lot of the songs in this disc that are just real great songs the kanji in the name of the song uh, is the kanji for hoshi uh, like which means which means nothing actually directly translates if you know anything about language but loosely uh, means star or stars so the actual translation according to our little pieces of notes here says valley of the falling stars um, so when you're trying to translate that directly cosmos sort of that reference to the stars into the cosmos yeah the actual kanji is hoshi so if you were to remove that kanji from the rest of the text it just still says stars yeah falling stars would imply like meteor showers things like that and Mm -hmm. like you want like the whole cosmo thing in english does have a kind of that more just like Base rather than like the active meteor falling. This is of course yep. the place where that it's like the center for planet research, such as it is. It's not like a formalized thing, but it's like the place where they. It's the place where one can hear the voice of the planet, which again has taken on a bit more of like a mystical back to nature thing in to contrast with Shinra. Speaking of the voice of the planet. We've heard these notes before. This plays during scenes at Cosmo Canyon when Bugenhagen explains about the planet and the life stream. And here's a bit where it's no longer quite the opening theme. <laughs> but it wants to remind you you're still playing the same game as when you backflipped off a train and killed the dude yep it's like oh all right we're we're in the plot now yeah i mean this is a bit that made me think that like okay that opening theme is like an opera overture where you've got like little snippets of lots of the pieces you'll be hearing which often is like okay these are the themes that you'll be having these are some of the events that will be and you don't know it necessarily at the time but 
kind of like, here is a little TLDR of the story as told in its music. One of the bands I followed decided to start doing storylines for all of their albums. And their first and last tracks on each album have that same sort of idea where they pull pieces from all the songs. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, because I wasn't really raised listening to music, I didn't really know what it was. And now I'm going back and listening to specifically video game soundtracks, which is just that video games as a medium treat music very differently than a lot of other mediums do. And I'm seeing the same kind of builds because of stuff like we only have so much memory, so we can only do so much. But now that memory is less of an issue, and even in you know the days of seven when we had CD audio, memory was less of an issue, and they were still using those same tactics and forms of creating that opera, creating one ballad that gets pieced out through different beats of a story. But yeah. it's it's all I like mean, it's it's part of the storytelling process. You know, the music is what keeps you really involved in the game. Oh, absolutely. Opera has certainly never had to worry about memory uh, disk space limitations or anything like that. Well, they sure it has. So you can only remember so much. <laughs> I was going to say the memory is the pe- the audience. You've only got them for 90 minutes. What operas are you going to? None, because I was born in 84. Also, like operas aren't happening right now. Okay. Hey, hey, distance operas are happening. I've been to some operas. Ooh, I'm Sarah, and I go to operas. <laughs> Damn right, I'm cultured and shit. I went to a rave and got in a fight, so like we've definitely gone to different music events. <laughs> I just play music for people. That said, I'm pretty... Today on, the song is called Lifestream, and all three of us approach it very differently <laughs> and come to the same place in the end. <laughs> all right. Just- Next tune. Oh, and we got that Cosmo Canyon melody again. Different yep. instruments, different tempo. We put that back in percussion. Yep. This is called The Great Warrior. This is when Red learns about his father. I guess it's minor key shifted too. Because it's it's very sad. You know what what happened to Red's dad? And when you want to make it sad, you minor key shift it. And play it with a really obscure instrument. It's true. Well, when they shifted to the new MIDI palette that they had with the PlayStation, they were able to get access to a whole bunch of different things, and you might as well use them all, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you paid for it. You might as well get full use. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes more is more. I mean, I, finding I, that line of where you start not getting benefits out of it—that's yeah. that's the difference between like doing it to just this do soundtrack. It, yeah, doing it to just do it versus doing it because you find an interesting use for it. This is an interesting yeah. use for it. It fits very There's well. There's perfectly good soundtracks for video games that you're like, cool. It's like, how much is that soundtrack? Oh, it's a dollar if you can find one because no one cares. And then there's like the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack remastered on nine CDs, and that'll be $200. And everybody's like, yeah, it's legit. Excuse me, what? (laughs) There's a big difference between if you care when you're writing it. This is one where they definitely put in that care. (sighs) 
you definitely hear the love that uh, Uematsu puts into all his music. And like in cooking, sometimes when you put in an ingredient, you think, well, this doesn't really do anything. And then you make it again without that ingredient and you go, I can't ah. tell that it's there, but I can definitely tell that it's absent. You can tell when Uematsu shares a track. You can tell when Uematsu doesn't do a soundtrack. You can hear that difference. You can hear that there's something missing and it's really hard to isolate, but he's got just a certain amount of attention to detail. What I'm hearing here is that Uematsu is a bay leaf. Yeah, Uematsu is a bay leaf, basically. <laughs> Uematsu is whether or not you crush the star anise. Mm. No, Uematsu is definitely saffron. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if you're just going for the what's the priciest thing, sure, but you're losing the metaphor here. <laughs> what, you, you, you don't, I mean, you realistically, don't think he's worth the money? if I had the choice between rice or saffron rice, taking saffron rice. I mean, that's fair. Not only does it look prettier, it tastes better. But if you said, hey, you can only have one person do your soundtrack, you can have Yasunori Mitsuda or Nobuo Uematsu, I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, you know my first choice, but the second choice is still really damn good. Yeah. It's like, there are no wrong answers on, to that question. There's just like different shades of right. The wrong answer is DJ SoundCloud. That's the one that you don't want to touch. <laughs> All right, next song. All right, time for a bit of a mood shift. Ah. <sighs> I really like this one, though it makes a lot of people irrationally or possibly rationally angry. Well, <laughs> Yuffie's, air quotes, Yuffie's theme. Descendant of Shinobi. Oh, she's such an adorable little imp. I hate her. <laughs> Andy still refuses to refer to her by anything but traitor. Like, there's a party member who actively betrayed us multiple times, and he focuses all on one who stole our materia that one time. Because it's our materia, damn it. <sighs> this music doesn't fit her, though. It this, doesn't. This music does, is not befitting of a traitor. reminded me of... She's actually a very playful character. Her intro reminded me of, uh, what's his name, from from 4, when you meet him, and, and it's like, Edge, and it's like, oh, hey, look, there's a ninja, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, and then he just helps you kick butt for the last third of the game, and it's like, okay, but he didn't really fit. When you think of Final Fantasy 4, Edge doesn't really fit. Oh, hey, we in seven, sort of, but not in, well, I'm wondering about her just doesn't click. Here's the it thing, though. I'm going to say this first, and then you can oh. go ahead and interject. I think we're going... She's going to click more because, with the remake. Yeah. with Because the war with Wu-Tai is referenced so often in the remake. I think that the whole Wu-Tai side story is going to be that much more prominent in the new versions of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, so yeah. it may fit... Where, why she's there, and we, it would maybe cut out because he didn't have the time to fully flesh that out. Klaus hit on the exact thing I was thinking of. Even as early as Crisis Core, which expanded on that a bit, had stuff where Zack was going through Wu Tai during the Shinra fight there, meets up with a young Yuffie. 
Yuffie? I know it's Yuffie, but I always want to say Yuffie. But meets up with a young Yuffie. Like, even as early as that, we had a bit more expansion of what the war with Wutai looked like, how it affected things. Stuff that fleshed out a lot of those details about her. Like, gave her meaningful motivation. All right. So hopefully we get, she becomes a little bit more uh, prominent or at least better explained in, in, in the upcoming remake. Who robs us repeatedly. All right. Next, <laughs> next tune. All right. Tone shift again. Major tone shift. Right. This is the, this, all of the other tracks in the soundtracks disc. Those chosen by the planet. A theme that we see with uh, Sephiroth again and again as he is, describes himself as one who has been chosen by the planet to rule it. Yep. I just like the word that they chose for this. This is Sephiroth's leap motif. That's a good word. <laughs> it's a good word. And they go into some nice explanation here. The theme has ominously chiming bells and beating drums and later a choir chants with some rising guitar strings. The bell chime really like adds to the mood of it. it makes you think of like a church bell ringing like on a dark misty night. Like that's kind of like a here is this omen of coming evil. Sephiroth? Evil? Omen is the that. word I want. <laughs> no, he's fine. No, I meant... Nani? He's not evil. You goofballs. But yeah. You expected oh. your friend, but it was me, Sephiroth. It was me, Dio! And like having this swelling in the background as he says his progressively more der deranged isn't quite the word I want because at no point does he seem gibbering or mad. He seems like the type of insanity that is eerily calm, focused in its purpose. He knows the truth. He knows what needs to be done. And that certainty and clarity, that is a type of madness in and of itself. And it's what makes him so frightening. Well, well that and the whole, like, big fucking sword destroying everything in a single stroke, stroke kind of thing. Now, his is more long, pokey, stabby. Oh, yes. I mean, but like long. I mean, what's what, six foot long? There is a certain, like, clarity and certainty of purpose that is just frightening in and of itself. Well, when you've got an alien bug in your head, yeah. Kind of. We'll get to that. Well, we've 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 discussed the whole what the uh, I, the it, calamity is from seven. Right. Also, it, spoiler alert for people who haven't played Final Fantasy VII: the game is twenty three years old. We're talking about it. It's fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> Like, especially at various points, there's a question of like, yes, Genova uh, was this thing. There's the Genova cells in him. At a certain point, there does become a question of is Genova influencing him or is he kind of like strong enough that he started leveraging that connection in reverse? And part of it is him bending Genova and its powers to his will. 
It's never one hundred. Nope, nope, nope. Don't want that. Don't want any of that to be true. That's bad. <laughs> it is never clear which one it is. If it's like which one is uh, bending the other. If it is some kind of strange melding of the two. Seven remake might actually tell us some more of this. Yeah, yep. I'll be interested to see how they explore that. So, so Nick Nar, it is not seven remake spoilers. It is seven remake speculation. Get it right. <laughs> Next song. <sighs> This song doesn't quite sound like its title. The Nightmare Begins. I feel like because it's like it's played when we meet Vincent, and Mm -hmm. I feel like because of that, it should almost have like a pipe organ sound. But that also feels very on the nose for a vampire-esque character. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly where they were going with on this, but it works just fine for its purpose. I never saw Vincent, like, I know he has, like, these sort of vampires, but it never felt like, oh, here is this brooding vampire. It's more like, here is someone who is forever lost in these reminiscences of the past. Kind of the, like, Dorian Gray if he was a vampire, but bad. Yes! Dorian Gray! That's it! That's perfect! Like, everything he does, the reason he comes with is just to follow and see what happened, but he was a part of these things that happened long ago. Uh, he talks about his nightmare, about the constant atonement. He he was there at the beginning. He knows what happened. He sees it as uh, this as, like, his great failure. It's a bit melodramatic, but... Vincent go boom, boom. <laughs> that's about all you remember about Vincent I know I'm terrible he has claws he has a silly cape he has a gun yep also he's a Turk yeah which weird but okay it's still a we a, don't a, like the Turks right like just as a whole like character design wise they're fine but like on the whole we're not supposed to like them right they're bad guys but they're bad guys who ooze style take from that what you will I fucking Ugh. love the Turks I don't care what you say Reno and Rude and Elena and Sang are amazing I mean they're like problematic phase because like okay like, we actually just got Reno and Defu, and, like, he's kind of fun, and he's really awesome. It's like, okay, and I've got this thing for him, and he actually does this fight really well. And, oh, yeah, he kind of was the person who dropped that plate and killed all those people, wasn't he? Problematic fave. Problematic favorite character. Boy, if that doesn't describe the FF7 fandom, I don't know what does. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and continue on. Because since we're talking about other things than Vincent. I mean, Vincent and the Turks and the entire thing of the Turks. Yeah. But this is another character theme that we get. And this theme is very fitting of Sid Highwind. Oh, yeah, this is another one (laughs) that we're going to hear this leitmotif in a lot of other pieces. Uh, like our airship theme, given that he is strongly tied to the airship, as SIDs generally are. Yes. It also has a bit of a... uh, almost militaristic thing. I mean, with this this SID, his big thing is being tied to the space program uh, that Shinra once ran and wanting to go to space. So, like, 
he's kind of the expression of these glories of days gone by. But there's a bit of that, like, like that sort of like patriotic, we will go to the stars uh, type thing you would see. Braving the final frontier to slip the surly bonds of Earth and punch the face of God. Row, row, fight the power? I mean, I was just paraphrasing some other stuff and in the process making the Simpsons deep cut. That I was going to say, we're in a couple of different spots now. I was just like, are we going Gurren Lagan? I'm not sure if we're going Gurren Lagan. You know, referencing <laughs> a famous speech with a little bit of a Simpsons deep cut, which gets referenced in the FF14 uh, airship and submersible tutorial stuff. Koji Fox likes his Simpsons references. I, I am aware. And <laughs> it's pretty great sometimes. The Stormblood Hildebrand quests were pretty much how much can, how densely can we pack the Simpsons references. But anyway, Sid. Yeah. <laughs> Sid's theme, well, like, we, he actually doesn't have as many cutscenes as it seems like he would, but the ones he's in, he gets his theme played often enough that we go, oh, right, it's Sid related. That means it's either airship, space, something to do with Shinra past. Pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Shinra past, like, the fingerprints of Shinra are on so many of these characters' backstories. Yep. Which is kind of what brings them all together. Shinra's reach is long. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what she said! (laughs) Sorry. Well done. Sorry. Nope. Never apologize. (laughs) Go in. Full. All the way. Oh my. <sighs> All right. Sorry. Next song. I don't have the notes up. I'm trying to remember what this one was. Steal the <laughs> tiny Bronco. Oh shit. Yes. It has <laughs> such a delightful tone shift. Is everybody happy? Everybody having a good time? We're committing theft! It's <laughs> fine! Don't worry about it! Oh, and there's that Hyla theme. Well, it's... Because we're, we're driving this on the... Um, the the overworld map now, aren't we? Oh! Nope. This is when you actually oh. steal the tiny Paco. Okay, so, so we're just... We're just driving around in town in it yet, huh? Well, so we got on it. We knocked Palmer the fuck out. The propellers start going. We're taking off into the air. Shinra starts firing. And then there's that momentary shock. And then smoke's trailing from one of the engines. And we're losing altitude. This is a song of a very abrupt tone shift. <laughs> but don't we run around with it on the ground for a while then, too, after we, we, we land? Uh- we float it as a boat for a while. Oh, yeah, that's right. We, we have to take it through the shallows, don't we? Or something like yep. that. The tiny Bronco ain't flying anymore, but we at least get a little boat out of it. And it takes us <laughs> to Wutai. Guess where this song plays in? Is it Wutai? It's Wutai! 
Oh my god! <laughs> it would be a JRPG with some type of Japan analog, no matter how much it kind of pasted into the world. The best part that you I love that you mentioned Japan analog because, you know, we've we've had a few of them in a few different games. The writing for this track is in katakana. Which, if you know anything about Japanese written languages, is one of three alphabets that they write with. This is the one that is reserved for non-Japanese words. There's some irony there. <laughs> There's a <laughs> lot of irony there. <laughs> so yes, this bit, as we actually arrive on the continent, Yuffie departs with all of our materia. Which makes it very lucky that Not lots yet. of stuff provide. Hmm? Not yet. Okay. God. Jeez. Oh my. Well, music track-wise, perhaps, but by the time we actually get to Wu Tai. Uh, but so we're exploring this while also dealing with our erstwhile ninja and an unfortunate set of vacationers. I guess technically you could go here even if you haven't recruited Yuffie. Well, it's important storyline, isn't it? At some point? Or is this all uh, side? Uh, this is all side quest. You never have to go there. You'll miss a lot of good stuff if you do, but yeah, there's some good weapons to. and armor in the in that tower fight, isn't there? Yep. Plus some specialized materia. You'll miss a couple summons. And the the rest of your materia. Well, I suppose it never gets stolen if you don't go here. Yeah, if you like, Yuffie and Vincent are optional characters. Yeah. Which is also why they didn't show up in those FMV cutscenes. This was back when they just had the one iteration of said scenes. There's a wonderful meme that floats around every once in a while of what happens when your customized character is in a cutscene. It's just a boardroom of a bunch of dudes in suits and fucking big birds in the back. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens when you have those your character fits in here scene is you end up with big birds in the back a lot. A friend of mine once posted a picture of, you know, in uh, Realm Reborn, when you finish the Ultima uh, weapon stuff, and there's that thing of like you before the crystal and then all the people charging La Habrea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he posted some pictures of that with his character in a bikini and a pumpkin head from the Halloween event. Yes. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> Good times. Welcome to Final Fantasy XIV. Your, your tank is wearing a bikini and a snowman head. Your healer taking <laughs> less damage than you. <laughs> I, I I explained tanks on my Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, Gunbreakers, we have found a way to balance our ethereal energy to fight the Sin Eaters. And Paladins have a noble cause, and they have holy magic, and they are protected by steel and the willpower of white magic and then it's like you get to warriors it's like I have the purple metal bikini and my axe spits bubbles and my friend's name is Curious Gorge and you're like god damn it like <laughs> tanks in 14 make no sense <laughs> we just don't I can't die because I'm too angry and, and then the dark knights are just emo and the dark knights are just like I've been listening to my chemical romance and yellow card for 15 years and you're like oh god I don't know how to help you Cut my life into pieces. 
this is my last resort. That was FF11, you punk. <laughs> and that is why Spender's Dark Knight macros included lines about let's bake cookies. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to that stolen materia. Oh. Someone's being one. sneaky. Or like, again, in that goofy, fun way. Even the name of this track. Yeah, the name is Itadaki, uh, or Itadaki Materia. And Itadaki is... Eh, tough to translate directly, because it usually is paired with something. Itadaki Mas, something that I will have. It's the thing you say at the start of a meal. Um, there's a video game series called Itadaki Street. It's a property management and tax management game. And if you try to go with just Itadaki by itself, it's the word what, but specifically referencing what as if somebody says, we are our materia, you say things like what materia? That's kind of what the title of the track is going for. Hey, where's the nuclear destruction device? What nuclear destruction device? Where the hell is my airship? What airship? It's that same kind of tone for Itadaki. Ah, Yuffie. Not only are we listening to some amazing songs, we're learning about Japanese. See, who, who said that that, uh, that teaching experience was going to go to waste there, Talas? Honestly, of all of the dumb things that I have done and learned over the course of my life, learning about pedagogical theory and how to and how to teach has been really, really helpful in a lot of aspects. Yeah, I just wish that I had like a purpose for it and not just like, you know what? I'm just going to use it in everything because now it's like work podcast. Everybody's being taught. I'm sorry. I mean, hey, that's how it works. I, I did not expect. I did not expect that, and a mathematician knowledge would start being handy as a librarian. Yeah, I mean, I had to explain how I was good at playing Pokemon the card game, so I was good at stats, so I was good at game testing. Solid. It worked out. Eat that. Oh, God. Why is there a Taco Bell ad in the host <laughs> chat? Because Sarah is a troll. Sarah is an awful person that I absolutely adore. Um, is that not the best possible use of that? Itadakimasu. Yeah. I've had Taco Bell in Japan. It's an interesting experience. Anyway, we have more music to go through. Moving on. Thank God. We have a lot more music to go through. Holy crap. This is Chocobo Square music from the Gold Saucer. Were you guys ever successful at like winning races in this? Oh, yeah. I was top rank. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I could not. I was just I could not fathom it of all the things I was bad at racing. Chocobo but... have sex with their sisters. No, that's weird. Very weird. But it was. I also think I spent like no time in the gold saucer, so like I really didn't get to know that anything in here. Oh, see, there I, was like a lot to drill into. I enjoyed the, the whole chocobo breeding and racing mini games. Yeah, make the chocobos fuck. 
Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Sweet. We're not radio, it's fine. We're called Phoenix Take. Down Radio, but... Take that, FCC! We're not governed by the FCC. So they can all suck it. Ooh, Pyrocats has just entered my room and handed me more Papa Doms. Ooh! It's just a happy oh, so little song. Apparently Pyrocats is at my house, so that's cool. Hi, Pyrocats! <laughs> I, mean, I don't know that there's really a lot to say about this one. It's fun. No. It's a good song. But the best song is here. Yeah! Fuck you, T.O., you cheating bastard! There's a reason why they also use this version of the song in the 14 Chocobo Racing. Yep. Well, I mean, the Gold Saucer just... Straight up, they're gonna try to use as much FF7 stuff as they can. Absolutely. But yeah, this is definitely one of the best Chocobo versions. I I really like the bits it gets to, cause like there's always the underlying Chocobo theme, and then there's like flourishes and whatnot they add to it. Hey, should we do a uh, when we when we finally caught up on every soundtrack in the series? Should we do a best Chocobo track, best Moogle track? Well, there's only one best answer to Prelude best Chocobo track. track, and that's Electric to Chocobo. Fight me. Hang on. Right. <laughs> do a cool wall thing. It'd be great. No, I, I think, you know, we should eventually maybe go through what our favorites are. Yahoo! Hang on. Come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. No! <laughs> I am going to mute you, Sarah. <laughs> it's like I'm not normally so much like, like, it's not quite much. I'm not for once I was like, okay, that little lick of uh, there the two that's like, okay, that actually works really well. Hey Sarah, I've been doing this to people for the last two days, and I'm gonna do it to you too, and I wanna ruin two songs for you. Ooh. The lyrics to Deck the Halls work with war pigs. You're welcome. Oh my god, that's brilliant! What do you mean? <laughs> Now you'll never be able to hear either song the same way again. This is going to make the next time I play Rock Band even better. <laughs> Do you know it doesn't check the words you're singing just to make sure no. that it's all tune. Just like Twitch sings. <laughs> Anyways. And now depending on how good you are at Chocobo Racing, you'll either hear this... Oh, it's your classic victory fanfare. Yep. This also plays after successfully stopping an enemy attack at Fort Condor. Congrats! You did good at a minigame. Yep. Apparently it only plays in the versions after the original PlayStation version. Huh. So it didn't play the original PlayStation version, but this was just used for chocobo race wins. Or, you'll hear... Yeah, minor key. This is if you're a God, loser. God, that sounds weird. The name of it is great, too. Tango of Tears. Like, that is just so wonderfully overdramatic. I love it. 
as your chocobo limps across the finish line. Are you implying that? Are you implying that Uematsu would be overly dramatic with his music? Never. Uh, I don't even know where that came from. All right, next song. <laughs> this plays during the uh, play at the Gold Saucer. It's your debut. God, I wish it wasn't so annoying to try to navigate the entire dialogue tree. I spent so many times redoing that play just to see the different ways the story could go. And then it changes based on who you're dating. You would have to have oh a God. lot of different uh, saves for this one then, huh? Uh, I mean, I think now at this point, I would just go and look it up. Oh my god, I wonder if they'll keep the gold saucer date. I wonder if they'll keep the option to date different people. I wonder if they'll actually have a proper Barrett date. Final Fantasy VII, the dating sim. I mean, we already had Weird Cat Dad dating sim in FF14. Yeah, we kind of did. We also had uh, Metal Gear's Weird Cat Dad. Damn right. That's such a weird set of quests. <laughs> Everything involving China's is a treasure, and I will not hear any words to the contrary. <laughs> oh, Afano and his assistants. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Uh, was, this, was this like the first really major mainstream game that it had like the relationship values and a thing associated with how that would turn out? At least for American audiences? I don't know. Uh, no, because Persona was doing that as well. Was Persona out at this point, though? Oh, yeah. The, the OG Persona was, yeah. But was it in the uh, US? Uh, well, okay, no. I'm actually thinking about it now. I think Pers Shin Megami Tensei might have been out. Persona might not have been. And I don't know. But yeah, throughout the game, including all sorts of things when they weren't even there, which makes it seem like it's a little bit less about just, oh, what do they think of you from all the stuff you've done, and more about, like, what style and personality have you exhibited? Uh, you get to date one of your party members. Aerith had, of course, like, demanded a payment of a date, uh... Wait, was it Shripa? There was bodyguarding, there was a... Oh, she would pay you with a date. Which typically she yeah. gold saucer. Though you could potentially end up with Tifa, Yuffie, or Barrett, depending on how hard you've worked to alienate people. <laughs> I I wanna date John. I wanna date Barrett in the remake. Yeah, I'm really hoping they like keep some <clears throat> element of this in. Speaking of Oh yeah. Now on this most of the dates. This yeah. is the date music. Kind of. So the date starts with going to see that play where you are the lucky hundredth couple and then get to be guest stars in it. Unless you're with Barrett, at which point the person approaches you, pauses for a moment and is like, um, never mind. Homophobic asshole. But whether you go to the play or not, afterwards you do get to go for a ride on the... The round square, I think it was, which they even lampshade in FF14 with people asking, it's like, how can it be a round square? Which is kind of like the aerial tramway ride. Takes you on a circuit of the gold saucer. Lots of pretty romantic views. 
And depending on who you're dating, you get some kind of conversation about what, uh, about how things are going. Aerith drops some, uh, vaguely foreshadowy words. Tifa once again fails to spit it out. Tell us how you really feel. Like, there's multiple things that Tifa needs to spit out, and she keeps failing on all of them. Oh, her my. Feelings, her concerns about how about what Cloud remembers. I'm no, glad you got it, Talos. I'm glad you got it, Talos. Oh. Tell me, tell me something, Sarah. Who do you ship? Cloud and Rena. Tifa and Aerith, come on. Oh, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> the obvious. I do appreciate in the remake how Tifa and Aerith have both, like, kind of teamed up to be like, yeah, we're not actually dealing with class shit. This is dumb. Yep. I love it. I still want Jesse to be the love interest. I'd be okay with that. Well, okay, I want remake Jesse to be the love interest because she was a badass. <laughs> But yeah. Barrett and Red 13 says Nick Nar. <laughs> hmm. Oh man, it's like Vivi and Quina in nine. Yes. Well, not quite. Yes! Oh my god, they are the most adorable couple. So so happy. Yeah, can... <sighs> yeah, anyway. Uh, anyway. Got, like this really like tender music. Whoever you're with, they're talking a bit about like some of what they've been going through on this journey, which you're still only partway through. Yep. Their thoughts, their aspirations, their fears. Whoever you're matched with, it can be a surprisingly tender moment, especially as the fireworks burst. As it's actually called Words Drown by Fireworks. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and continue on. To the Forested Temple. AKA the Temple of the Ancients. Oh, once again, we've got those chimes as this thing of like this almost otherworldly, like except going back away from the like technology and science type thing and going to the more mystical. God, I love those chimes. It sounds really good. And then the and that, it's not quite a flute, but I'm not sure what the instrument is. I mean, because it's a synthesized whatever. No, I think it's actually a flute. Okay. It vaguely puts me in mind of remember back with Final Fantasy VI, we had like kind of that high reedy flute weaving throughout the thing as like a for the Phantom Forest. Yeah, though I think it, it's a flute. It just doesn't have the um, the resonating. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing in terms of like here. It's not resonant. It's not like weighty. It's like light and ethereal and moving through things without uh, leaving a physical trace. It like has that mystical component to it. That's why you're saying it sounds more like a woodwind than a flute. It's some kind of woodwindy type a thing. A flute and is technically a woodwind. It's true. Is it? Yes. Yeah, okay. You're talking to a band geek. <laughs> Woodwinds do not have to be made out of wood. I'm not 100% sure what differentiates a woodwind and a brass, but... 
Oh, I think it's rather the no wait, because the saxophone's a brass instrument, isn't no, it? No, saxophone is a woodwind. Then is it the presence of a reed? Uh, th- that's one thing that where woodwinds a lot of them have that, but um, brass instruments generally have a, a different style mouthpiece. Ah, in brass instruments, the player's lips themselves vibrate, which causes the air to vibrate. In woodwind, uh, the player either causes a reed to vibrate. I'm not sure why a flute is considered a woodwind, though. Ah, they either... In woodwinds, you cause a reed to vibrate, you blow over a fipple across an open hole against an edge, or blow across the edge of an open hole. Yeah, because you are doing that with a flute. Yeah. Yeah, the sound is Wait. coming from right across the edge of an open hole. With a brass instrument, your lips themselves are vibrating, Correct. and that vibration is transferred to the air inside the instrument. Correct. <clears throat> We're learning today, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Phoenix Town Radio episode learning stuff. Fuck yeah, pedagogy. But yes, like that uh, that high flare type thing. As I said, it doesn't resonate, and I think that's what makes it work well. Something that resonates, that feels forceful, that feels solid and heavy, no, no. and you don't want that here. I think if if they were actually playing this in with you know a live orchestra, you would hear the resonating a bit more Beca- because because this is a MIDI version of a flute. It's going to be straight tone. Got it. That's why. That's my best guess. But I think you still want that ethereal thing, which then kind of contrasts with the chimes. Yeah. So I think you could still make it ethereal sounding if you had the... Yeah. I just love this track. This is one that I have hummed, like, in random... uh, Like, while working on uh, random uh, things at work, while just walking along. Every so often it just pops into my head. There's something about it that sticks around. What about this one? Hmm from the Forgotten City. And wait for it. More bells. Anything dealing with the ancients feels kind of alien on some level. We go through their city where they're like giant shells and all sorts of other stuff. It's like, it feels strange to think that people lived there. They lived very different lives uh, from the ones that the people on the planet live now. Like, the ancients feel inaccessible in this way. Like us, but at the same time, not. There's just so much to some of these songs. Like, this one is called Listen to the Cries of the Planet. A phrase that they've brought up a couple times. And I mean, the ancients were the ones who could hear the cries of the planet. Or the voice of the planet, even. I mean, this is just such a fitting uh, theme for Forgotten City. It's interesting, like, looking at it and seeing, like, just how much, like, the homes, the stuff is still there, as if someone had just stepped out for a few minutes. It's clearly been abandoned for ages. 
What with Aerith uh, being the last ancient and her mom being one of the last before her, like no one has lived there in a very long time. But it looks like, as I said, like someone just stepped out, like they could be back in like 15 minutes. There's also a little bit kind of some of the elements of uh, Sephiroth's those chosen by the planet. Like we've got a kind of melding of all these different ancient things, especially at this point when we don't understand the full depth of it. I think at this point in the plot, we still think that Genova has something to do with the ancients rather than being... Well, wait, no, because we've gone... It's that icicle in when we get that bit. Yeah, so at this point, we still aren't quite clear on what Genova is, and there's some thought that, like, this is part of or related to the Ancients, instead of being this outside invader. So it's kind of like the similarities of the music. This is all the stuff from long-ago times. I just like listening to it. Yeah. It's also very, very slow so that you do pay attention to we're used to our hectic, ha you know, fast guns and swords and magic battles. It's like, no, this is a part where you need to slow down, read the text, figure out where you are, figure out what's happening. You're involved in something far beyond you at this point, and you need to be paying attention. Yes. And the dichotomy of what you've been doing for the last 25 hours and where the start of this arc of the story is you need to be paying attention to what's happening or you are going to get absolutely wrecked yeah especially this is after Aerith has left the party saying she's off to do something that only she can do mm -hmm. where it's like okay we are all along we've been chasing Sephiroth and all that but there's a lot of the impression that we are involved in something far greater than we thought this was. At first, we just thought it was Cloud trying to get answers about the past. And it's like, okay, we are entering something much bigger. Yep. Mm hmm God, this moment was such a shock back at that time. I'm sure you guys all recognize Aerith's theme. Was this the first point of the game where we'd heard it pure and unalloyed like this? Yes. We've heard... Pieces. We've heard a lot of it, though. We've heard parts of it in a bunch of spots. Yes, right. there, are, there are pieces to it. But this is the full theme, and it plays during scenes with Aerith and Sephiroth in Forgotten City. Yep. Like It also plays, apparently, during this battle with Genova Life. Yep. The music does not stop, which makes it that much more affecting. It, like, normally you'd have, okay, there's the boss music, this high speed up. It doesn't let you take it out of it. Because we've approached Aerith, there's been some stuff where Cloud seems to be losing control. We're very concerned about what's going to happen. He snaps out of it, it switches to FMV, which at the time is this, like, hey, it's really cool, it's like for scenes that are really awesome it's stuff that has a lot of affecting like today it looks clunky but back then it's like oh wow it's in fmv mm -hmm. we look we see Aerith looking up that smile on her face camera shift to show Sephiroth plunging down and we only have a moment before we see that blade stick out through Aerith's chest that was a genuine shock at the time 
because prior to this, when we saw um, Joseph or Palum Polum or Leo, yeah, Leo, like whoever else, it was always a I'll hold the wall, I'll hold the stone, I'll block this hit, I'll jump in front of you. A smile better suits a hero. Like, a valley. we have a lot of those. This is different. This is none of that. This is, it got stolen from us. This is, you hurt someone we care about. Yeah. This is very fighting. different than the other ones we've seen. She was not fighting Sephiroth. She was just kneeling there praying. Mm-hmm. This was not our ally struck down in the culmination of, this was our enemy swiping, knocking a piece off the board. Yep. But don't again, worry, guys. It's not... Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was saying, go ahead. I was going to say, this is one of those, like, again, when Palum and Polum have their dialogue and turn, you know what's happening and you know you can't stop it. But in the back of your head and in your heart, you go, no, we have to. When you watch Joseph turn over his shoulder and shout at you to run, you know, and you also understand. Here, you walk in, and you don't understand. You don't have the ability to grasp everything that's going on, even though you can see it. And it happens so quickly, you don't have... Like, the other ones, it's like, okay, we can at least see it coming. We can see the shape of the story. It was so unexpected. Mm -hmm. from a full narrative perspective and from just the, the person like from in the that actual moment, protagonist view you're not seeing it there's that I, I like there's that it's the you gasp in shock the, <gasps> everything freaks and then that music plays as the materia bounces down as a cloud tearfully described how Aerith will never walk again never laugh never get mad and you're like screaming at your TV at 12 years old, like, what is happening? Oh my God. It's like, I yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I was crying. Yeah. And this then is... you have to go and fight fucking Genova with that music still playing. You also have to have everyone else in your party who's been looking to you for guidance for the last 35 hours of gameplay. They now have to look at you as you are completely broken and emotionally distraught and you still have to hold it together and not be cold. Each of them does That's also hard. Give, like give like their little like after the fight, like each of them like nods or bows or wipes tears or like each of them had their own little reaction to it. And mm -hmm. I was curious about this, so I played through it multiple times and at the end I was such a fucking emotional wreck. But don't worry, guys, with the remake, uh, for the low, low price of $49.99, you'll be able to get the Save Earth DLC. But no, you could have done that before. You just needed to get a level four revive materia from Fort Condor and then bring it to... Oh, God, there were so many rumors about how to revive Earth. Or you just uh, play the PC version and we're not a trainer. <sighs> <laughs> for anybody who doesn't understand the jokes that we're making... This is uh, the same energy as put your iPhone in the microwave to recharge it. But with slightly less likely to destroy your personal possessions. Just your feelings. Yeah. Anyway. Feelings yeah. are no longer personal possessions. Serotimono 2020. Got it. Yep. That's how it is. <laughs> After that whole thing, we move on to the Great Glacier. Yeah. 
like this has just like reignited Cloud's drive to keep pursuing Sephiroth. This is actually the point, I believe, where we enter the second disc as well. The first disc ends with Aerith's death. I mean, it's no. Wait, sir, is it? It's a long disc. Hell if I remember. Then again, I was also playing on the PC version. I think that had. Yeah, Aerith's death is the last part of disc one. Disc two has your party in the ancient city. Cloud talking about like how this kind of like redoubled his drive to pursue Sephiroth. And so you head continue after him to the Great Glacier. <sighs> Which I feel like we've had some similar aspects of this of like, hey, here's a place that is blanketed in snow. The snow... Like, snow, once it's snowing, it actually does get physically quieter. The uh, snow, like, traps air, deadens, echoes, stuff like that. It is, uh, like, freshly fallen snow physically makes a place quieter. And you get that a lot with music in snowy locales, where there's, like, kind of this quiet, slow, the world slowing to a halt. There's nothing strong, there's nothing forceful. Here is this silent world with the snow falling down on it. It just has a very interesting sound. It's very different from any of the other uh, themes that we've had so far in the game. Then again, this is our first time encountering snow. <laughs> Alright, let's go ahead and move on to the next theme. The reason we were in the, the Great Glacier is we were looking for the North Cave. I'm not hearing it. There we go. It starts out very low. Got it. This is a track that is over seven minutes long. So we're not going to listen to the whole thing today, but. Well, this version is only six minutes long. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, not 7.15 at 6.05, at least according to. So oh, that seems legit <laughs> then. That's fine. Yeah, we'll just play the whole thing then. No. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Once we get through the Great Glacier, scale the North Cliff with yet another minigame. This one about not getting hypothermia. we have the crown we can get the eye once we have the eye we can get the tonic once we have the tonic we can wake up the prince when we have the prince waking up we can get the key when we have the key we can get the dynamite when we have the dynamite we can get the canal i am not 100 sure if that's a parody or an actual that's ff1 right that's actually that's this has been a thing that we've been doing for a while yeah the bad thing happened let's figure out the solution nine steps later I mean, in, the, in this one, we've just been following Sephiroth the entire time, so... Yeah, the worst step. We have to follow this dude. 
because yeah, this, this is. Gets, a, I was gonna say this theme has a lot of different moving parts to it. Yeah. Yes, it gets used as a world map theme, so it kind of needs to. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where like a world map theme often has contains elements throughout the game because it's kind of like a here's this big overarching thing of this game. There's also a certain piece of your world map that you need to go. I haven't heard this part before. That means I've been walking for a long time. And then you get to a town you've never been to or whatever. North Cave is just yeah. massive. Yeah. Just a massive world map theme. There's that little like... That's vaguely reminiscent of uh, the stuff from those chosen by the planet. Like the coral sections. Yes. I mean, this, both in the North Cave and on the world map, this is the part where, like, Sephiroth's true aims have come to light. Where he's become this hugely dominating force in what's going on. He, this is no longer about stopping Shinra. There's a bigger threat. Uh, Alleywitz actually in the chat just mentioned it has the echoes of the song Edelweiss. Huh. Oh, the previous song. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, as we were talking about, um... Buried in snow. Right. Yeah. See, now it's changed to an entirely different sound. Mm hmm. Also, I think some of it has to do with as we get deeper within the cave. Which, I mean, it's going to play a. Uh Oh, I see. You're saying there's like multiple ones built into it. Like back with FF6 when we had uh, the Dancing Mad, which would transfer it to a different part of the track. Yep. I got it. I see mm -hmm. what you're At least I think that's how that they, they run this because it'll play certain parts of the theme on this level. And then as soon as you find the next part, then it'll kind of move on to the next. Mm -hmm. Or in certain mm -hmm. fights within the game, like I said, it'll transition into the next theme. I mean, we see that a lot within Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, you've got like kind of that high-pitched, almost reedy bit, which again, not a synthesizer at all, but it feels kind of reedy. And it's kind of like this almost like lonely plaintive thing. And then you start having like this oppressive underpart coming in. <sighs> right now, I think it's kind of in a repeating phase, so. Yeah. We'll go ahead and move on to Reunion. That is a very loaded word in the plot of FF7. Yeah. Yeah, especially based on what happened five minutes ago. Well, more than that, but... This is what plays when the Shinra finds the Promised Land. And when we find Sephiroth. And when we learn what exactly has been, or we at least get some of the glimmerings of what's been going on with Sephiroth and what we've been chasing and why we're here and why we were chasing it so hard. <sighs> that was one of the ones that 
things that much later on when I actually worked out what it all meant, I was like, I wish this bit had been localized a little better, because it wasn't really clear until, like, multiple playthroughs and rewatchings. And there's only so much we could do when you're trying to just crank a game out, but... Yeah. We have lost yeah. a lot in translations. Yeah, I guess that the fact As that I they're... Said, I was going to say, the fact that they're able to go back now and remake the game, I think we're going to see a lot of things that they meant to put into the game uh, and help. it'll help make more sense to us that uh, didn't get it into localization. Yeah. I mean, back then, it was not a smash hit. They would not have legions of pants who say, yeah, go ahead and take a couple extra weeks or months just to make sure this bit comes out right. Well, Take an extra six months, and yes, we will pay $60 three times to play a game that we already know inside out. Nostalgia That's is a, a powerful impulse. Well, this That's was the thing, we don't know it inside out, do we? Here's the thing, though. This was a time frame when game developers were pumping out uh, sequels to games within a, a year to two years. Yeah, the production cycle was less involved. The stuff it was being developed on was less advanced. So, I mean, this was 1997. This was the seventh game in, in a franchise that started only 10 years prior. Yeah. Yeah. So we had been getting and a game... In some cases, we were getting a game a year. And, and now, like, we didn't... Like, 6 came out in what, 94? No, 95? And, and I suppose the Japanese version would have been 90... End of 94, and the, the um, we got in the U.S. then in 95. And I mean, also, they were developing originally for whatever Nintendo's next console would be, but had to switch over, so... There's a lot going on there. But even so, and then I think uh, Final Fantasy VIII came out in like 98, didn't it? 98, yep. Yeah, the production cycles were very different at that and point. And then uh, Final Fantasy IX came out, I believe, 2000. Yep. Same time as the PS2. It was the last one of, there's, whenever there's a new console, there's always that like last generation of games that comes out. Yep. But I mean, it just, like I said, so Which games... Go ahead. Oftentimes, some of the most technically impressive ones, the ones where they've really gotten a handle on what they can do, I always point to Chrono Trigger. I point to Chrono Trigger FF6. I actually like picking a uh, point to Excite Bike versus Super Mario Brothers 3. Huh. That's the same hardware. Yep. See, I would agree with that, except I have a friend who has a fanatical love of Excite Bike. So now I'm just like anything <laughs> involved. I, I keep trying, like, he can't even seem to explain why he enjoys it. It's just, but it's fun. It's like, it's excite bike, dude. What it's are you also talking? very broken. Anyway, we have one more song yet in this in this disc, so let's go ahead and knock that one out quick. Oh, then we yeah, can continue our discussion later. A bunch of shit yeah. goes down when we get to the promised land. Oh, and we've got that high wind theme, but it's minor shifted again. That means bad stuff. This me this song is called Who Am I? And it plays in Medeal after Cloud is found. Yeah, I don't think you can even, can you even get to Medeal before? Because, yeah, I don't think there are the shallows. You can't get there with the tiny Bronco. I don't There's... think you have stuff available to breed a proper type of Chocobo at that point either. There's probably an exploit to get there, but is it a glitchless exploit? Probably not. I don't think so. 
So yeah, when you get there, you find that there's someone they found recently washed up. Someone who, after events at the uh, Northern Crater, fell directly into the live stream. Not something that people usually survive. And when they do, they're being uh, they're being bombarded with all of this distilled wisdom and consciousness of whatever of people long dead. Even if they physically survive, uh, their minds are never the same. And that's kind of how we find Cloud. Yeah. He's just kind of he's alive, but he's not Cloud. He's just kind of sitting Twitching. there twitching uh unclear if he even recognizes the people he sees in front of him what a cliffhanger huh <laughs> i also like that the track is um it's ore wa da 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 ore is the masculine form of the it's like watashi wa as for me uh ore wa is the less polite masculine form of that um it's the kind of sub it's the kind of shit that Vegeta says. Like it's that level of disrespect to other people and for high and mighty notion of yourself. So saying Orewa is like the He's not defaulting to politeness when he doesn't know what's happening. He's defaulting to brutishness when he doesn't know what's happening. Mm. So very, very subtle little piece of dialogue that doesn't make sense in English, but worked very much in Japan. Yeah. And that's disc three. And I believe that's the point where, because we uh, after Cloud's disappearance, Tifa is break, uh, briefly our leader. Uh, and then uh, I believe it's at this point that she sticks around to try to help take care of Cloud because she still has whatever stuff that she's not talking about so that Sid gets to be in charge. Good old Sid. All right. Hope you guys are enjoying these uh, walks through the uh, the soundtrack. I know I enjoy listening to all this music. So <sighs> it's like I said, something different for us to uh, continue to enjoy, reminisce upon, and uh, it's just just good stuff. Yeah, and I mean, thinking about the FF Seven remake, uh, given uh, like we've seen a lot of callbacks to musical stuff like that, it is kind of fun to remember. All oh, right, there were these bits of the story. Which story beats will we have? How much will they follow the original? Like, it, there's some fun speculative aspects as well that I enjoy. Yes, a lot of things about the remake is yes, they get to put in stuff that they always meant to, or fix the thing that localization didn't get. But also, when something's twenty years old. When you come in 20 years later and say, this is actually the facts, it doesn't always get well received. So we should be seeing some interesting changes to the story that they just have to do in order for it to work now. Well, I mean, we don't we already started to set things on a somewhat different path. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. And we don't want the exact same game. I mean, because if you want the exact same game, just go play the remastered version of the game. Don't play the remake. Yeah, play the remastered where they fixed a couple of the bugs and they gave you the infinite money and the run fast glitch uh, thing. Like, that's always fine. I just beat Final Fantasy IX a couple weeks ago using the run fast glitch at, or auto tool. Yeah, it makes the game really fast. No, I didn't get the full experience. I also did it in 16 hours instead of like 60. So yeah, there's a lot of benefits to just playing through a story and getting the a different but still very viable experience. I mean, it's seven. The thing, it's the thing we talk 
or at least that I've talked about with others, where it's like, this isn't what it was, this was what it made. Like, I want something. I'm hoping to get something that replicates some of how I felt from that, which is not going to be the same as the original one, because I'm not the same person I was back then. I'm not going to get the same feelings and experiences from it. It's also very subjective. Your experience and my experience and somebody who's brand new to the franchise are all going to have very, very different opening points. Uh, A friend of the podcast, Lancetti Luminaire, uh, her first game was Final Fantasy X. And boy, does she hate Final Fantasy VIII. And mm-hmm. she's hit or miss on seven. And she does not understand how five works because she started <laughs> on 10. And I'm coming in like, that's like learning to drive on a Tesla SUV. And then I hand you an 80s hatchback with a manual transmission. Like you can't go back that far. Your brain doesn't work that way. The things you know as normal didn't exist back then. Seven oh, is... Hmm? Hilariously, she might have had a bit more of an okay time with five if she played ten too. And but her issues with seven is that it's in the middle, where it's just old enough that you have to stat crunch, that you have to look through things, that it's very menu heavy in a lot of sections, and it's also just modern enough that it's very story driven and it's very visual. And so she's like, "What do I do? Like, I'm not sure which lot, which side of the line this game is on." And it's just early enough in the it can be both that there's a couple of missteps in the original game that no, no game is perfect. But seven, by and large, is loved by a lot of people. And every you get 10 people in a row, they're all going to say, oh, yeah, it was a perfectly fine game. And they're all going to say yeah, so for a different reason. Yeah. This, this is one of the most fun soundtracks that I've that I've gotten to listen to. Like, it's just. I've listened to all of them like a bajillion times because I love Final Fantasy music. I've played the games. This one, focusing and honing on it, you can now see stuff and hear stuff that you didn't when you were just trying to not die and freaking out that you have zero Phoenix Downs right now. And I don't have that problem with headphones on at 8.30 on the Saturday. (laughs) So I get to experience the music in a different way. Yeah, I mean, because also when we were originally listening to all this music, it was coming through crappy uh, TV speakers. It was a one-inch tweeters next to the volume button on the TV that didn't have a remote control because we were 10 years old and the remote control was telling us to go change the channel. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Now we get really nice headphones playing through amazing computer systems. I and- had the old ones that had rabbit ears on them. I didn't use them yeah. for anything when I was playing video games, but you needed that special connector box with the little switch thing. Yep, the little, the little RF, RF uh, changer. RF changer, the little Y plugs, you'd have to actually get a Phillips head and screw down into the back of your bunny ears. I remember those. Yep. God, we're oh, old. Meanwhile, let me just grab my phone and download the first three Saga games for $15 while we're talking. Yep, and then I can I can tell Alexa <laughs> to go ahead and uh, change the channel for me. And... <laughs> also, after that, I'll get my phone to tell me where I am, and it will talk to space to do this. And then you can also order some food to go. Yeah. And it'll be at your door in, in 35 minutes. And... Once I get bored waiting for that at way too long time, I can look at some cat pictures. Phenomenal cosmic information. Pictures of cats playing a piano. I mean, give the people what they want. 
And on that bombshell, that's going to do it for this episode, I think. You know exactly where I was going with that. I'm helping. I'm helping. I mean, unfortunately, okay, before we get into the outro, honestly, um, this is the last episode of 2020. Um, do you want to spend a few minutes kind of reminiscing about it? Yes. Uh, I mean, 2020 started great. Did it though? Yeah. Yes. It's yes. I thought 2020 started pretty well. I'm not talking March. I had I'm talking 12 January. grand in my bank account. I had plane tickets to Nagasaki. I packed everything I owned. I sold all of my stuff. I got my dream job for the third time. I was going to go rock this thing and it was going to be great. And a, three weeks later, uh, Alleywitz had to spot me a dollar because my debit card declined at Little Caesars for my $5 pizza. Remind me to find uh, that manager essay about the destructive myth of the dream job. It was... My, my year personally has been weird. My year in 14, obviously very weird. I kind of had to say goodbye to 14 because I knew I was moving and I was going to be busy. I was going to be in a new city. I was going to have a new job. I was going to be in a different country. I was going to be broke for a while. I had to say goodbye to 14, but I wanted to still be part of the podcast. And Klaus and I kind of talked about like, well, we were going to be switching it more to a Final Fantasy podcast and less of a Final Fantasy 14 podcast. So it should be fine. And then, you know, three weeks later, I'm back with the clothes on my back and nothing else. But I was still going to be able to be part of a podcast. But I also didn't know what that was going to mean for my character for the rest of 5.x. I didn't know if I was going to be able to finish out Shadowbringers before the next expansion came out. We thought that we were all going to meet again in San Diego for FanFest in November. Yeah. I thought I was... I was going to FanFest and then Melbourne, Australia, back to back. I was going to KuboCon with some friends. Yeah, how'd that go for you? Yeah, it went great. I've never been to Australia. I just there's been you did so many things. You, you did get to go to um, KuboCon though, at least, right? I did, um, sort of. So I actually bought the uh, the tickets for the Final Fantasy VII remake because they went on sale before I had gotten the confirmation that I had gotten the job. And I was like, it's 45 bucks. It was a launch party for FF7 Remake, which, of course, the game got delayed. So we just had a launch party for a game that wasn't out yet. So it was just fun. <laughs> um, but we were like, hey, let's just do it anyway. We already have the venue. We can't get a refund. Screw it. Uh, so thankfully, I still had those. So because I was back, I was able to go. Um, so you, got, you had but, that. And that all happened, fortunately, before the world fell apart. Before everything started going sideways, but for anybody that has missed the the long version, the short version is if I if my plane left Tokyo two hours, literally two hours later than it did, I would still be there. I would not have been allowed to leave. I missed the cutoff of leaving the country by the length of a podcast wow i took off in tokyo nothing was wrong i landed in manila i landed in manila and everybody was acting weird i tried to take off in manila and everybody was scared shitless i landed in vancouver british columbia and nearly got thrown into a hospital for two weeks 
that was a 14 hour process from door to door. Oh, while you're up in the sky, the world changed. So, 2020 has been weird on me personally. However, at the end of this, I get to look backwards and I get to say, okay, I got to sell cars. I got to work for several dealerships. I got to work multiple delivery jobs. I got to hang out with these two for the last 12 months, which has been amazing and very, very helpful. And having a good place to ground myself on both of you. Thank you. (laughs) I just, I found a career path that I never thought I was going to do. I got back with a company that I got fired from 10 years ago. (laughs) Uh, and then ended up getting back in with that company and I'm doing so well that I looked into transferring to another store and my managers and my field manager came to came together and pulled me aside and said we'd really like for you to not do that because we've noticed an a tick upwards in quality and level of service and energy and morale since you came and so I was like cool I'm not a complete and utter failure like I kind of thought I was in February Aww. when I had to unceremoniously leave Nagasaki at 6 o'clock in the morning. Nah, that was just other people being dicks. So, like, that was... It's been a weird year, but at the end, we figured it all out. And it is in no small thanks to Klaus and Sarah, mm-hmm. who have been... Yes, it's every two weeks. Yes, we bitch about podcast stuff. Yes, we forget about notes. That kind of stuff. <laughs> or, but it's having... the fact that there's there's always been you two every two weeks reminding me that there are other people other than the voices in my head that's telling me I can't. There's mm-hmm. other people that are telling me that I can. So for 2020, for the seven months I lived on Angela and Christian's upstairs, for moving back into Bannon's house, for the eight cars I've owned this year, for 26-ish podcasts. Thank you both. It has been an awesome, weird, strange, confusing 2020. <laughs> but I couldn't have asked for better people to hang out with every other Saturday night. Well, I'm glad that you uh, have been with us now for two years. Because you joined us in 2019 at the beginning of the year. And that you <laughs> stuck around. So I like you guys a lot. Tell us mm-hmm. to you. Cheers, friends. Sarah? Uh, Would you like to re- do your reminiscing? I, follow, I don't think I could follow that quite as much, but it has been a bit of a crazy year. Uh, yeah, just like world changing in lots of different ways. Uh, some of it actually, God, it's weird having like library programs that actually got better because of being able to do them virtually. Uh, being able to more eat a couple times, I accidentally pumped diadem gathering music uh, through an all librarians meeting, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't quite worked out all the Zoom controls at that point. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but well, I at least you weren't watching porn. Yeah. I eventually got better about it, and now I do all my gathering in secret, and people don't notice. Or if they do, they aren't saying anything. Okay. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, just like I agree with Tiles about this, like being here, having this as like a regular fixture, uh, getting to talk to our listeners who like have a lot of really fun and interesting things to say in the chat. Uh, you guys are great. I can see you. I was looking forward to that road trip, Nicknar. Well, I mean, I, yeah, it probably would have been a road trip for me, just a very different one from you. Yeah, it would have been quite the road trip, and I'll talk a little about that when it's my turn, but... Uh... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, like, a lot of it has been just, like, expectations of how things were going to go, and then having those expectations subverted, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, like, as Tal's is talking about, like, sometimes this means you get to do something else you never even imagined that turns out to be really amazing. But it is at least sometimes a little hard just for the, this is not what I was prepared for, I don't know what I'm doing, I feel like I've had my feet swept out from under me. And I'm at least glad that lying here reeling on the floor, I've got some nice people who are sprawled out next to me, and we can also <laughs> be like, we can all be like, ugh, what the hell was that? That's honestly really nice, in a way I wouldn't have expected. And given how many other things are out of my control, it's nice to be able to say, like, you know what, I'm going to do this bit, and I'm going to be here with you. And this bit at least isn't something I'm choosing to do, it's something that's in my hands, and it's something that feels really worth it. So thank you for that. And that's about all the feelings I can manage right now. And that's fine. And Sarah, <laughs> you're a sleepyhead. This is to a you. little bit, yeah. Thank you. My sleep schedule is still all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> do you know what you can't do during a pandemic? Get sleep studies. Um, <laughs> At the very least, I've had a double. You could probably find one somebody who will do one on Zoom with you. How does that like get the hookup to it? Do you just want people, random people, to watch me while I sleep? Yes. <laughs> Onlyfans.com slash Saratimono is a great go. place to watch Sarah sleep at night. Wait, I didn't <laughs> set that up. Am I even getting a cut? I mean, yeah. What's your Venmo, by the way? Anyway. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's good I, to have you around, man. There was so much that we had planned for, for 2020. Oh, God. Yeah. Let us get the long piece of paper with the list of shit we were supposed to do. I had, you mean we haven't burned that paper for warmth yet? No, we're good for that. But let's see, I, <laughs> 2020, I had two new cos, yeah, two new cosplays that I was going to be bringing in that I was working on. And I got the cosplays and I got them ready to go. It's just I didn't have the convention to go uh, wear them at. So... Because no everything, detour, no every, fan fest. Everything got canceled uh, just uh, before every before detour was gonna was gonna go. But then then I, I I kind of lost my job for a while. So yeah, and I was sitting at home for like a, a couple of months. But I got to deliver pizzas. That was fun. <laughs> I, I, I got to be like Talas and deliver pizzas, and actually it was an amazing time. I made. Uh, some good, you know, I'm really close with, with the people that I worked with there still. And, uh, I mean, they still want me to drive I, for them. Delivering pizza in an apocalypse or post-apocalyptic setting is actually the subject of several different works of literature. 
I mean, you're almost a, a, a hero at that point, you know? I'm almost yeah. a hero protagonist. There, I went there. there Get you, it there, a- there you go. But, <laughs> but then with everything that happened, it was... We got, I got to make some really cool improvements to the podcast. We got this, I got yeah. this lovely camera. Um, I've got the stream deck. I got a laptop. You know, things that I was, well, I wanted to bring the laptop to FanFest for stuff, but yeah, that, that kind of didn't go, but. Anyway, I still got all that stuff. Um, I got these two cameras. So they were able to, to jump in and uh, get that taken care of. So, I mean, while our plans didn't, uh, quite go the way we wanted them to we were able to continue to put out and i'm gonna i'm gonna use the the word uh loosely quality content question mark <laughs> we were able to put out content, content. let's go with that yes. was, was it quality content i i hope it's quality content i hope you guys have enjoyed what we've been doing the last uh 12 months well most of it i mean we did miss two podcasts this year i think Two or three. It was fine. I think it was only two, actually, but... Eh. Whatever. Um, but, uh... Being able to uh, continue to put this out has... Helped keep me a little bit focused, because, yeah, I mean... Having to work through a pandemic in a uh, an industry that uh, should not be running right now, but is. I'll get back to that in a... It's a, a, a whole other thing. I don't want... Yeah. But, uh, it's been stressful, but being able to actually have something that I can control, that I do have a say over, and, uh, doing it with a couple of, uh, amazing co-hosts who help me to, uh, you know, realize that, you know, things aren't so bad, and, well, I, I have a hard, sometimes I have a, I have had a hard time actually getting the motivation to prepare for the podcast there have been times like do i want to do this right now when it actually comes to doing the podcast it's an amazing time it always is i love sitting here with you two discussing whatever our random uh subject is for the year or for the week the year god damn it Um, we've been doing music almost a year dude (laughs) Uh, well, God, have we? Damn. It's been a while, I guess. But one, uh, two, three, four. Anyway, with all of, with everything that's been going on, that's actually helped me to recenter and and realize the good things again. So making this keeps me sane, keeps me happy, and. Uh, reminds me of the good things out there so to, to everybody out there listening on the podcast everybody live here at twitch to my co-hosts thank you thank you for the last 12 months thank you for making 2020 bearable <laughs> yeah. and thank you for continuing to support us I mean to good that. friends, good content, great games, and fuck 2020. Cheers. All right. 
Hydrate, bitches. Exactly. Hydrate. <laughs> well, this uh, is just Diet Coke, so I have water here too as well. Is everybody leaving? Hang on a second. All right. Well, while he's figuring out what's going on over at uh, where he's at, I will go ahead and say that that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode. <clears throat> if you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, please leave us a rating or review. It helps other people find our show and helps us to grow in the community as well as lets us know how we're doing. If you really dig the show, you can consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixstarradio, where you'll get access to a number of uh, subscriber-only badges, emotes, and things like that. Or you can uh, go out to patreon.com slash phoenixstarradio and support us like our benevolent overlord, Aruri Fenrir, does. Um, all the proceeds we get for that go towards growing the show, cover hosting costs, allow us to get cameras for these yahoos and all that fun stuff, and allows us just to do some fun stuff. But whatever kind of support you give us, whether it's likes, retweets, follows, subs, donations, whatever it is, it's always greatly appreciated because we just love interacting with you guys. And you're the reason that we keep doing this. If you want to find our backlog of podcasts, you can go out to our website, phoenixstarradio.com. If you have questions, uh, ideas for a show or anything like that, you can email us at podcast at phoenixstarradio.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. Um, and you can uh, check out all of our videos out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Phoenix Down Radio. So, shout outs. Um, I know we kind of just did a kind of <laughs> roundabout, but is there anybody you just want to plug at this point or just plug yourself? I don't know about. I don't know about plug, but I want to give a special shout out to my friends Andy and Austin, the ones that I do that weekly cooking stuff with. And I, they started playing FF14, and I made them clothes, and it was really nice. And the other week, they uh, pinged me to say, hey, we're looking at getting some uh, cooking gifts for uh, family members, and they asked me for recommendations on cooking hardware, which I give them info all the time. I've got lots of Cooks Illustrated Quitway reviews, all sorts of other reasons resources so i uh gave them recommendations on a bunch of different things they were asking about and then today i had an unexpected package addressed to me that had a sous vide circulator and vacuum sealer in it and i was like oh you tricksy little punks you told me it was for this and then i was like and then i looked at the chat and it's like oh they didn't name the person they just said for a family member <laughs> also, hook, line, and sinker. Like, you just absolutely <laughs> fell for that one. Sucker. I, honestly, they, asked me, they asked me about cooking stuff a lot. This was not even out of the ordinary at all. So this was a long con. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I provide people all this information, and then they're like, oh, somewhere down the road, it's going to be for him. That is definitely how it works. <laughs> also, I'm trying... <sighs> I mean, my parents also sent me like a cast iron skillet. So it's like, okay, between all this, I can make an amazing steak. But I think I'm probably just going to start with some eggs. They're easy and they come with their own pouches. And they're incredible and edible. <sighs> all right. He's in the pocket of big egg. <laughs> <laughs> Which might just be a chance. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's a blessing anyway. actually so shout out to you t 
so shout out to you too. The, <laughs> I love you. You are my best friends and family and all that. And thank you so much. Uh, and Where can people I, find you? So you can uh, find me on Twitter at FF14SERR. That's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R, two R's. Uh, you can also find me on the Phoenix Down Radio Discord, which I am generally paying attention to throughout the day. Uh, like that is one of the nice things about work from home and a thing where like I'm doing a lot of like virtual reference desk and the like. I am pretty much always around. Love talking to you fuckers about pretty much anything. You got questions about game lore. You got questions about mechanics or about the history of the game, like how it's changed, like. The transition between 1.0 and A Realm Reborn and, like, what all carried over from that, like, and honestly, really any Final Fantasy, I've done a lot of FF14 questions because that's what's often been in demand, but the, the, lore, the deep lore goes way back. I love talking about it, I love doing a dive into it for the bits I don't know, so, or you just really like, hey, I have feelings and I want to chat for a bit. That's good, too. I love you fuckers. Talos? Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, Pyrocats, who finally got a house, which was awesome. We were able to get her mostly moved in today, which is pretty cool. Um, to the point where her next night, her, her first night sleeping there will probably be tomorrow. So, shout out to Pyrocats for being an awesome friend of the podcast and just being an awesome person in general. Uh, shout outs to Bannon for enjoying crafting in and out of game and having a shop that I can work on all my cars in. Uh, it's been super, super cool. And I've worked on a lot of cars and I've learned a lot of stuff and it's been amazing hanging out with him and doing that. Uh, you can find me. I deleted social, most of my social media cause I can't really stand it. I'm on TikTok. I know I hate it too, but whatever, <laughs> deal with it. Uh, I'm on TikTok at Marvelous Tofu. I am on Instagram at Marvelous Tofu. And you can email me at talas at phoenixdownradio.com. It leaks to my regular email, and I will reply to you eventually. Uh, you can also find me on the Discord. I don't actually have notifications on for Discord, so I check it, like, weekly. Heads up. But I am there. If we see something for Talas, we'll make sure to ping him. He does listen to my pings, apparently, so... Or maybe you still have notifications on for the uh, the the host's channel. I have the, have the host channel turned on and everything else is off. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you're getting a ping from there, it's important. It's like FFTCG off, Mandy Energy off, Balance Discord off. <laughs> host channel host chat shit, on. Because <laughs> <laughs> Klaus is going to yell at me if I don't reply here. <laughs> I have my camera and I even plugged it in this week. <laughs> It's not hiding under your beanie this time. God. My life. <sighs> oh, I want to shout out to everybody who's listening on the podcast, everybody watching us here at Twitch. Uh, thank you so much for the last 12 months of support. Again, uh, shout out to the person who bought my old car last night. I hope it uh, treats you as well as it treated me the last three years. Um, shout out to uh, friends and family. Uh, this is the time of year, you know, when we're hopefully going to be able to see some of your family. I understand a lot of areas are in a lot, uh, tighter lockdown than others, but, uh, I consider myself fortunate to be able to go visit family, uh, next week and, and spend some time with them that I haven't seen them in six months. So I'm going to value that time with them. So, uh, shout out to family and friends and, uh, hopefully 
you all have a safe and uh, prosperous uh, holiday season, and uh, I wish you all an amazing new year. So, for my hosts, Sarah Timono, for Tell Is Marvelous, I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a, uh, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and a, uh, an amazing start to your 2021. We will see you next year. You guys all take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarLinker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash GuitarLinker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.